Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. For Gareth Southgate's job, I would argue that the performance of the World Cup will be massively swayed by what happens this week. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell. This is the Weekend Preview. I'm joined as ever by George Ellick and back with us after he ditched us last week for the Spurs podcast is Tim Spears. Tim, you well? Yeah, I was just uh, just getting in some practice for the main event then. Yeah, good times. You're back. Don't ditch us again though, Tim. Not very happy with that at all. <laughs> and it's also a warm welcome back to Bet365, Steve Freeth, technology guru. How are you, Steve? Frustrated technology-wise, but... A pleasure to be back with you guys and Tim as well, of course, uh, with the Wolves connection from last season. I'm delighted to be working with him. Good to have you all with us. So it is the international break and we're going to be looking ahead to some important games for England, Wales and other nations with just seven weeks to go until the World Cup begins. feels absolutely ludicrous to be saying that, but that is where we are in the world. We'll also take this moment to have a look at where things stand in the Premier League. We'll look at the Premier League picture. So, England have two big games this weekend with the Nations League fixtures against Italy on Friday night and Germany on Monday. George, let's talk about the Italy game first. What sort of task does this pose for Southgate? Is it a chance to experiment or does he need to put his full strength team out? Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think he can experiment for so many reasons. I mean, England come into this. It's easy to forget um, just how bad England's form is coming into this game. Uh, Four Nations League games so far. Two defeats against Hungary, uh, the 1-0 in Budapest and then the 4-0 defeat um, at Wembley. And then two draws, a, a decent point in Germany and then a nil-nil draw against an Italy side who are also in terrible form. You know, the two Euros finalists since that game haven't been in very good nick. So not only is there England will get relegated from um from from you know from from group A effectively if they finish bottom of their group in the Nations League. So they need to win at least one game depending on other results. So for that reason it's massive. I also think for for Gareth Southgate's job, I would argue that the performance of the World Cup will be massively swayed by what happens this week. I think if England go and have two poor performances and results against Germany and Italy, uh, I think that pretty changes the the needle as to what is acceptable in, in Qatar. I think that would make a, a quarter-final exit probably mean the end of Gareth Southgate's reign, whereas a couple of good results here and, and getting some positivity again will, will impact that. And, and then you have to factor in, this is a pretty rare occasion where England get to play competitive matches against two genuine rivals for in terms of the quality of opposition they've got normally we see teams going to major tournaments playing for friendlies against against sides who who probably aren't at the requisite quality to, to really trouble them too much so I, I think for plenty of reasons this is much more significant than we're used to you know of course Italy aren't going to be in, in Qatar themselves but purely in terms of, of quality of team and for what it means for Gareth Southgate he would be mad to use this as too much of an ex- experiment and I also think because of his nature and when you look at the squad that we're going to talk talk about fairly soon given he's been pretty unwilling to 
experiment with the squad. I think anticipating that he's going to throw caution to the wind for these two games. Yeah, there's no chance that they're, 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 they're kind of must wins, I'd say. Yeah, and one of the new faces in the squad, Steve, the big news from the England squad that was announced last week is Ivan Tony's first call-up. He's 11-8 to to make the squad for Qatar. Do we think he'll get the nod overall over Tammy Abraham and Ollie Watkins, Steve? Personally, not. No, I think I think Tammy Abraham is he's uh, ahead of him. He certainly is in the odds anyway. Seventeen goals last season. I think he's got a couple this season as well, Dan. And listen, you know, well done to those customers who 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 took the fourteen to one about uh, Ivan Tony being in the in the World Cup squad. You might have a bit of value there, but no, I think he's behind. And 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 likewise, I'm interested in your opinions, Dan, on Ollie Watkins as well, who's been pushed out to a a four to one chance now to be on the plane to Qatar. Clearly, he's only got one goal this season, just four t- shots on target. Target as well. It's been a been a disappointing start, I think, for Ollie Watkins and Villa in general. Of course, feel feel very sorry for Ollie Watkins leading the line for Aston Villa at the, at the moment. It's not like he's missing loads of chances because the chances are not coming at all. Tim on Ivan Toner. Do you not think that he is the kind of something different that we've been waiting for as England fans to back up Kane? Yeah, Tammy Abraham's a great goal scorer, but you feel like Ivan Toner's got a little bit more to his game. The, I guess these two games, if he appears, they'll go a long way to whether he does make it into the squad over Tammy. Yeah, the, obviously the games will be important. We'll see how much game time he gets and that'll be interesting. You know, George makes a really good point about probably not being able to experiment, especially the fact that there are no friendlies before the tournament, which is just adds to the level of farce of this whole thing, really. But I think in, in terms of Tony, it's an important week for him off the pitch as well as on, because we know how much emphasis Southgate places on the group dynamic and the character of a player. You know, Conor Cody being the prime example, doesn't really play, but he's almost guaranteed to go because he's such a good character around the place. I think in terms of who goes, you go on form for me. You go purely on form because on on who's scoring, who's scoring more goals, who's playing more confidence, because the chances are that Tony or Abraham will only be an impact sub- substitute. And I guess the one, the one benefit, probably the only benefit of having a World Cup now instead of at the end of the season is fatigue won't be as much of an issue after a long, grueling season. So I, I think you just take your, your hot striker, basically, as your backup. And, and Tammy Abraham is sort of out of sight, out of mind a little bit, but he's, he's He's, I think he scored two for Roma this season, so Tony would certainly be um, a favourite. We shouldn't discount Abraham, like I said, outside out of mind, but Tony's got a lot to offer. I think he'll fit in and I think he'll go. Yeah, maybe worth noting as well because Roma have a European campaign. Ivan Tony, you would expect, would be more fresh going into World Cup. That's quite quite an interesting perspective that you've put on it there, Tim. Tim, I'll stay with you because you're talking about players in form. You know, Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire, they're both included in the squad despite not really being first choice for Manchester United at the moment. You'd imagine they're both going to go to Qatar now. People are going to look at Gareth Southgate and state that he said, I I will pick squads on form rather than reputation. Where do you stand on this? I don't agree with that. I think you you, you can't have one set policy for every single player. You've got to have a bit of wriggle room. I think Maguire Maguire will go from what he's done in an English shirt in the the last few years and, and Southgate obviously trusts him. But sure, I mean, he hasn't played a minute of league football since that 4-0 defeat to Brentford. Molassi's got the shirt. Don't see him not having that in, in the kind of short to medium term before the World Cup. So there is an issue at left wing back or left back because Shaw's not playing at all. Chilwell now has serious competition for his shirt at Chelsea with Kukurea and even Raheem Sterling at left wing back. So there's, there, there, aren't, there aren't many options, really. I think it's probably Trippier's place. I've been watching a lot of Ryan Sessignon in recent weeks and he's been doing really well and he's in the 21s. I think it'll come too soon for him to get a call up. But left wing back's definitely a bit of a weakness. Um, if, Shaw, if Shaw doesn't play another minute in the league before the World Cup, he, he, he can't go. Simple as that. You know, he's, he's, he's not Gareth Bale. You know, he's not that important to the squad. He's got to be playing. Any chance we see Arsenal right winger Bukayo Saka rolling back the years and, and, and being given a chance at left wing back? Because, you know, Tim's right that there's 
there's no one really uh, who stands out who's playing regular first team football at a high level to to, to justify their place in the team. And, and you know, Kieran Trippier can do a job there, but I, I think it is a shame to have a right footed player playing playing on the as left wing back because it it, it b- makes you pretty one dimensional in the way that you can play out from that side. Just on on what you said there about Southgate and that quote that is is regularly brought up about him saying that he would he would choose players on form rather than reputation. And I'm not blameless in this because I, I brought it up a fair bit when um, I was fronting the Jack Grealish for England campaign. But it's um, I, I think when you're a new manager and you are talking about the vision that you set out for the way you're going to select your squads, that's very different to being a manager who's overseen two major tournaments. And in, in Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw, you've got a, a centre-back who has been a massive presence in two successful major tournaments, who scored some very crucial goals in that time as well. And a left back who was arguably England's best or one of England's best players in the Euros. And last time we saw him playing in a major tournament for England, he scored a goal at Wembley in a final. So it's not as simple now for Gareth Southgate to turn around and wed himself so aggressively to what he said six years ago or five years ago. He's got to, he has relationships with these players. He has a playing relationship and a personal relationship with them as well. And it's not just as simple as throwing that out of the window in favour of, you know, whoever's the best left back currently playing minutes at left back in the Premier League because because just because Tyrell Malassia has the shirt ahead of um, ahead of Shaw at the moment shouldn't necessitate that he doesn't get his chance to to stake his claim for the squad in in Qatar. I will say I hope football cliche has come after you talking about Saka rolling back the year. You can't roll back. <laughs> rolling the back. Years, rolling back. Up. Rolling back a year. <laughs> you cannot do that. I'm not, I'm not having that. Yeah, hopefully they'll come after you, Steve. My issue with the Maguire Shaw debate is. I actually have no issue with Shaw being in there because he doesn't scare me when I watch him. Harry Maguire is so far off form when he is on the pitch. That's the bit I kind of have a problem with. If Maguire just wasn't playing for Manchester United, but when he was on the pitch, he looked moderately assured and he just lost his place because there was a preference for two of the centre-backs. I think I'd be okay with it. My problem is, is that since the Euros, his his confidence has fallen to, to its, its lowest ebb. And his performances are nowhere near the level we know he's capable of. I think confidence is the uh, is a massive word there. And you look at where he is now playing for for Manchester United. Clearly, he's not he's not in the you know in the front two of the two centre halves, which would be be a massive worry for him. I think Lindelof might even be in front of him as well. So he's gone from such a high, everyone loving him when England were absolutely flying, and now he's on the low. His his, his confidence is he's completely on the floor. So again, as a as a football fan, you'd love to see him full of confidence and and. And, and, and putting on a strip and, and, and playing regularly again. But at the moment, Dan, it just seems an absolute mile off is going to be anywhere near. However, from an odds point of view, I think we still do think that Harry Maguire will be in the squad. But I think we're extremely short, like the two guys have touched upon with Luke Shaw. I think 8-15 to 15, Luke Shaw is at an absolute ridiculous price and needs lengthening uh, pretty sharpish. I mean, if the defence was worrying us, let's cheer ourselves up by talking about central midfield team. Calvin Phillips is missing with a shoulder injury. It looks like Jude Bellingham now has a huge chance to stake his claim ahead of the World Cup in Qatar. We'd think it would be Bellingham and Rice on Friday. Henderson's been recalled back to the squad as well to replace Phillips. It felt like a weird omission in itself, but then I think Henderson was seen as being fitter than England thought he was going to be. Central midfield is a little bit light as well. Yeah, it is. And I, I predict Bellingham will play well. And there'll be a, he might be the clamour, really. There's always a clamour. It was Grealish last time. I think it'll be Bellingham this time, the clamour to get in the team, particularly because it looks like there's an open spot there. But again, knowing Southgate as we do over a few years now, I can't see anyone other than Henderson playing in playing in the World Cup if he's fit. I guess you've got to remember with Southgate, he's, he's a pragmatist and he and he won't be swayed by by public opinion and he'll want those. You know, we talk about the 
the weakness in the defence, the lack of options. And it's probably England's weakest area, even when everyone's fit, to be honest, at centre-half. So he'll want that extra protection in midfield. But, but also, there's nothing wrong with that, because most tournaments aren't won by the most exciting, open attacking teams. You know, they're won by the teams that are hardest to beat. And and Southgate's got a very good record in tournament football with a semi-final and a final. So, the, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see Bellingham in there and England to take the handbrake off a bit. But I'd be surprised if Southgate does that for that first game against Iran. Yeah, talking of Bellingham, there is going to be an episode on this feed from Wednesday looking at the race for Bellingham next summer. There's also a great article that goes through all that as well with various contributors from the Athletics. So do go and check that out if you haven't done so already. George, on Bellingham, one of the things I've heard levelled at him is that he wouldn't have the like experience to, to come and sit, or the discipline to come and play in the midfield too in front of the back three. I disagree with that. I, I think his game intelligence is up there with, with almost anyone. I also think you can't really level experience at him. He's played so many games over the last few years at a really high level. I think Bellingham's capable of playing in the midfield too next to Rice, and I actually think that's a, a really, really strong midfield too in front of a back three. We've seen him play in a midfield two in front of a four for, for Dortmund plenty of times this season. His versatility is one of his biggest strengths. He can play as a six, he can play as an eight, he could probably play as a ten uh, if he wanted to. He is so incredibly talented, and, and he's a guy who, yes, he's 19 years old, but he has played... As a teenager for his boyhood club, starting week in, week out, as a 16, 17-year-old, and he's now playing regular Bundesliga and Champions League football and performing at an incredibly high level. Um, the perception that Jordan Henderson is, is a safer pair of hands when you've got one guy, and I'm a, I'm a big Henderson fan, but there's no denying that his his career trajectory is, is now probably on the decline. And if you're looking for somebody to come in and do the job that Calvin Phillips does, I would argue that the legs that Bellingham has compared to Henderson would make him more fitting for that role, um, even though he's obviously not the same kind of destroyer but in fairness to Southgate and I completely agree with what Tim's saying about him being a pragmatist but I would go as far as saying that the most interesting decision making that we've seen from Southgate in tournament football was him going into a Euros with Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips as centre midfield as a centre midfield pairing not because either are particularly expansive but purely because you know, they're a West Ham and Leeds centre midfield duo Phillips had very little international experience before the qualifying campaign when there were older like Henderson um, options available to him you know he was happy to to go for two younger guys who in their careers are, are probably more akin to, to Bellingham than um, than Henderson is so I, I would hope that Bellingham and I'm sure he will because he is good enough and because he is so good to be frank will go forwards and, and prove himself over these these couple of games and will hopefully make himself undroppable because that's what Calvin Phillips did before the before the Euros and, and, and Southgate was was willing to invest his trust in him. So Steve, Jordan Pickford's going to be missing. Let's look at the goalkeepers now. It's Aaron Ramsdale, Nick Pope and Dean Henderson fighting it out for two squad spots. Who gets them and who starts in Qatar? Yeah, well, personally speaking, I think... If Jordan Pickford is fit, then he starts. We're 8-13 to 13 about Pick, Pickford starting, and I, I think that should be shorter than that. I think Pickford has been the best goalkeeper in the Premier League so far this season. So, for me, that feels like it should be a 1-3 to three chance. And then Aaron Ramsdale is quite a clear second favourite at 2-1 to one with Nick Pope at 8-1. to one. So, I think Ramsdale had a bit of a torrid time at, at, at Molyneux. I think he faced six shots, five shots on target and conceded four goals against, against Hungary. I seem to see a few people... Talking up Nick Pope, who's had a brilliant second part of the season at Burnley, despite the relegation, has done really well at Newcastle. So we have seen some money for Nick Pope uh, at eight. But Dean Henderson, I think he's conceded 14 in his last four games for Nottingham Forest. He's a 20 to one and a, and a clear outsider those. But it's Pickford's to lose for me, who's been brilliant so far this season. Yeah, Tim, I always feel like we have issues with goalkeepers going into, into names because I also feel like someone, one of the backups pulls out with, with injuries. I feel like that's happened a few times over, over the last few tournaments. And, you know, Pickford's injury actually is a little bit of a concern yeah massively I mean you know we talk about yeah 
picking on form or picking favourites. And yeah, he, he ticks every box at the moment. He's been um, he's been outstanding, and uh, there would be an issue if he was injured. Interesting to see who gets the third spot. If Ramsdale second, it probably would be Pope. I think again, and look at personality. You know, your third choice keeper is not very unlikely to play. So you kind of want someone who's not going to rock the boat, who's going to be a, a fun personality around the camp. And that'll be a bit of an issue in terms of picking his whole squad actually, because there's 26 players. You'd imagine he'll take 26. I mean, you'd be a bit of a fool not to. So there's going to be quite a few players who just won't be featuring at all. We know what an emphasis he places on character. There are some high-profile players. Someone like James Madison hasn't been in the squad at all, and and doesn't look like he's going to get shout again um, perhaps for those reasons so it's going to be an interesting squad announcement when it comes but I think you can probably pick sort of 20 to 23 of those right now could almost do with a Connor Cody type as a third choice goalkeeper someone good someone good around the place Scott Carson not playing you could, you could Scott Carson I mean he's a great number three George one of, one of the best great knowledge there. Dave Besson get Dave Besson back yeah, it, yeah, let's see what we can do about that. Let's start a Scott Carson for England campaign. Let's move away from Scott Carson for England and look at Wales then. They play Belgium on Thursday evening and Poland on Sunday. The two games that are going to be critical for Rob Page in assessing where his side are before the World Cup. Team Rob Page has recently been given a new four-year deal. Do you see him being able to build on a decent Euro 2020 campaign? How far do you think they can realistically go? And I feel weird saying that because obviously we know they can go far in tournaments because they've done it recently. Yeah, and the draw's been really kind to them, I think. Um, obviously, England are massive favourites for Group B, um, but you'd imagine it's probably between Wales and America for that second spot. I'd give Wales a decent chance of, of beating the US. But then looking for, looking further ahead, you know, you mentioned they can go, they, they have the potential to, to go far in the tournament or at least go some step of the way. The second round, and we all do it when we look at our wall charts and see, you know, the, the route to the the final, the route to the semis, or the route to the quarter as well. Um, Wales and England will face uh, whoever's first and second in Group A, which is the Netherlands, Ecuador, Senegal, and Qatar. So I don't think there's anything to fear at all in that group. You know, the, the, the Netherlands are clearly the best team in there, but still not really one to fear. So the draw's been been kind to Wales obviously their target will just be to get out of the group I'd imagine but you never know um, there are quite a few variables in that squad even their star players Ramsey and Bale not really starting much for their clubs although they are playing so Ramsey's out in um, France most people will know playing for Nice with their crazy squad of um, <laughs> ex-Premier League players squad. it is bonkers Ross Barkley Kasper Schmeichel uh, Joe Bryan is in there Mario Lamina Morgan Schneiderlin, Nicola Pepe as well from. Hey Tim, I'm yeah. going next week to watch Nice against PSG. Oh nice. Yeah, so nice. I'll, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm like, that is one. Yeah. yeah, very nice. I'm, I'm extremely looking forward to that. And yes, Dan, it is corporate. I thought it might be. <laughs> I it might be corporate. That's a eclectic bunch of players. And then you throw Steve Freeth in there as as well. Absolute <laughs> madness. I was just gonna say Ram, Ramsey is playing, which is which more than he was, you know, for Rangers towards the second half of last season. It's, it's eight appearances and four starts so far. Bale in LA. It's 11 matches, but only two starts, so he's sort of ticking over, really. You know what you're going to get with Wales. They're going to set up defensively with with a lot of players in defensive positions and then rely on Bale, Ramsey, plus Brennan Johnson, who may or may not start, Dan James, key for more option. But then Dan James hasn't started a game for Fulham yet either. No. Danny Harry Ward's Wilson's form is a concern, injured. obviously, for Leicester. So there are quite a few variables. However, you know, I think we've said this with Wales a lot in the past, but they always seem to turn up at a tournament. They're hard to beat. And they've got that sort of X factor in certain places up front. So I think they'll spring a surprise for most people. 
But when you actually look at it, it won't be much of a surprise if they get out of the group. George, would this be Bale's last hurrah? It's impossible to say, isn't it? I mean, it, it feels like it. It feels like if it was up to Gareth Bale, he would retire from football and just play for Wales every two years. But I'm, I'm not sure that's particularly likely. Uh, I think it probably also partly depends on what happens at the tournament. I can see if they if they don't really show up and they and Bale fails to have an impact, that would probably uh, inspire him to try and give it uh, another another campaign and try and get to the to the Euros in a couple of years' time. So who knows? With I mean, I feel like we've spoken about the end for Gareth Bale at Wales. We've spoken about the end of, of Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, who's speaking this week about wanting to play play on. We've spoken about the end for, for Lionel Messi so often that it's a it seems to be a fool's game predicting when these legends are gonna uh, are gonna move aside but I think probably more likely if, if Bale does manage to have a moment or Wales manage to have a good run then then it could be it could be his last uh, his last showing and finally Steve what are the latest odds for England to go all the way in Qatar and what are the you know is there any other talking points from the odds England wise yeah there's plenty Dan they are you might be surprised to know they are second favourites to win it at at 11 to 2 behind Brazil at, at 9 to 2 very short price to win the group at 1 to 3 they're actually 10 to 1 not to qualify, and, and, and Tim was right, it is quite close between the uh, USA and Wales to get out of the group. Wales are 11 to 10 to qualify, um, with England 100 to 1 to get zero points, and just 9 to 4 to get all nine. So there is plenty of confidence behind England, which does surprise me a little bit. Harry Kane is also the favourite to be the top goal scorer at 7 to 1, in front of Mbappe at 9 and Messi at 16. So plenty of faith in Harry Kane and England by the looks of it. Who do you think is going to win the World Cup, Steve? Who's the Steve Free to pick? Argentina, 7 to 1. Argentina? Same as me, I was going to go for Argentina. George? I think Brazil are the right favourites, personally. I mean, their, their strength and depth is, is pretty staggering. But, and this is a pure pricing Dan, before I start getting you texting me, telling me that I'm wrong and all this other stuff as if I'm, I'm saying they're going to win. I think if I was to have a bet, I think the, the European contingent are way too short compared to two others who have proven themselves to be, should be in amongst them. I think Denmark and Croatia are both 28 to 1 and 50 to 1. Uh, when you consider that Croatia, uh, well, I mean, let's start with Denmark, who was so impressive in the in the Euros, who got knocked out an extra time by England, who are second favourites to win the whole thing. They've got Christian Eriksen back. Um, they've still got Hulmund as manager, who's so impressive. Uh, and we've seen them in recent games. They beat France in France, 2-1 in the Nations League, uh, done the double over Austria. And then the, the one team that's beaten them is Croatia, who also come into it in really good form. Croatia 50-1. to one. Uh, Their last two games going to, to Denmark and to France and beating them both 1-0. So, uh, you know, we know that it's, a, it's an ageing side maybe but with Kovacic, Modric, Brozovic you know there's still a lot of quality players in there as well so from a pure price point of view if I was to have a bet I'd be looking to back a couple of outsiders each way in Denmark and Croatia but yeah Brazil probably the right favourites to win the whole thing. You go on about getting texts and stuff but you don't answer the question <laughs> who, do, who do you think is going to win the World Cup George? Brazil. <laughs> Brazil thank you very much. And Tim finally your call. I mean it's not going to be Denmark um, <laughs> or Croatia. Click that up producer Dave please and send it over to me as a, as a voice note. <laughs> That's that's up there with his Everton won the window one from a few weeks ago. I did, I did like that one. Sticking right, that isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. About to be that. fair, yeah, there's been worse um, shouts. I would say France or Brazil for me. Although France won it last time, unlikely to be sort of double winners. You'd say. I'm not sure that's ever happened before. France or Brazil? Let's say Brazil. Yeah, there, there is a pace on the current landscape with France at the moment. As always, a lot going on with Lebler. So that's it for our international segment. When we come back after the break, we're going to take a look at the Premier League. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? 
It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. So the international break is a good opportunity for us to take the temperature of the Premier League and have an eye on how we think the rest of the season may pan out from here. Steve, seven games in, Arsenal are top. How are the title odds looking? Yeah, Manchester City are still clear favourites down and have shortened from 8-13 to 13 in pre-season to 1-3 to three now. Uh, incidentally, Haaland, who was 20-1 to one to score 35 or more uh, in the summer, is actually just 3-1 to one to do that now and break a Premier League record. Of, uh, that was at 42 games. Liverpool have been the big drifters. 9 to 4 pre-season out to 7 to 1. Arsenal the big movers 66 to 1 into 10 to 1 we'll lose a few million quid if Arsenal should win although I'm not too worried just yet. Uh, Spurs as you were really nothing's changed for Spurs still remain at 14 to 1. Manchester United were 100 to 1 after losing their first two games they're currently 33s the same price as Chelsea who uh, whose price have doubled since the uh, since the start of the season so I don't know about you guys but it feels like none of the big teams have really played each other yet barring Arsenal against Man United I don't I, I don't recall many other big games against the two uh, you know two sides going up in like real blockbusters but I'm Sure, we'll. Uh, we certainly got some after the international break. Yeah, Chelsea Spurs was was a good of course game yeah. early on in, in the season, but Chelsea feel like they're quite far away from challenging for the title at the moment. Tim, as the London man nowadays, I imagine you've seen them them all play at some point through the season. Of the London teams, who is closest to challenging City? I don't think either of them will challenge City. The, the interesting thing about Spurs for me, having watched their last few games, is that they're not actually playing that well. So they won six two the other day, but it wasn't a six two yeah, by rubbish. any means. I mean, Leicester just just completely folded. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, really. That um, that they haven't hit top form yet. I mean, Son, apart from that thirteen minute hat trick, he hadn't scored before then, so he hasn't been on top form. Kane's been scoring, but not been at his, his Kane level best. Kulusevski was in and out of the team, issues in a couple of areas of the pitch. So when they start playing well, which you'd imagine they will at some point, they'll be a bit of a force to reckon with, and. Uh, They've got one of the best managers in world football um, who knows how to win a league title just as much as pretty much anybody. So I would say Spurs are better placed in the long haul, but obviously Arsenal are pretty scintillating at the moment. And, um, you know, I remember we spoke a few weeks ago about the weaknesses in their team and Granit Xhaka being one of them. Well, that's certainly not the case at the moment. He's one of the form players in the league. Some some really good stuff on the Athletic about him this week. So I feel like there's a bit of a charge from from North London and and both teams will be sort of in the top, probably in the top four at the end of the season, but I don't see either of them challenging Man City. So George, let's pretend I've just asked you who's going to win the Premier League this season. Let's talk about the teams beneath them. If you had to choose one to come second, who would it be? I think at this stage, probably Arsenal. Uh, you know, I, I'm surprised to see the the price discrepancy between Liverpool and Arsenal in, in the betting. I think a few Arsenal fans who've been tweeting me this week, telling me to drop my agenda, probably just drop their coffees hearing me say that. But I, you know, I think on what we've seen so far, there are too many doubts about Liverpool at the moment. It feels to me like they're they're we're seeing a changing of the guard when it comes to their midfield. I think it's happening a bit early. I'm not entirely sure having both Fabio Carvalho and, and Harvey Elliott playing is is necessarily great 
when Thiago plays, they're a different side, but his fitness issues are quite clear to see. Um, and, you know, James Milner, in my opinion, should not be anywhere near the pitch for a, a top four Premier League side. And, and Jordan Henderson's kind of moving in that direction. So, you know, it, it's important, I always think, at this stage of the season to remember that, that, that things change and narratives change and performance levels change. And, you know, I think giving Manchester City the title at this stage is premature, especially when you, as Steve says, when you recognise the fact that they haven't really played anyone who we'd expect to take points off them yet. Um, and Liverpool's, you know, Liverpool could well still turn it around and become the, the challengers. But on what we've seen so far, and I think it's important not to place too much emphasis on one game, but Arsenal's performance at, at Brentford, no matter what Thomas Frank says, it's one of the weirdest post-match interviews thing I've ever seen, was their best performance of the season by miles. Um, it was so impressive in terms of what they did going forward the fact that once they went ahead they kept their foot on the gas they didn't drop off at all they didn't stop their pressing they didn't stop attacking where possible and that was their best form of defense you know Brentford created basically nothing Damsgaard had an okay chance that was smothered by uh, by Ramsdale and that was it that was a complete performance where not only were they threatening throughout the game but they also were able to to maintain that you know it's, it's the way that City defend you just continue to attack you don't let the opposition come near your your final third and Thomas Frank saying that was a performance where normally they would come away with a, with a win or a draw I don't think that's the case but that's a, doing a massive you know, that's praising Arsenal because they couldn't really get near them so yeah I, I think Arsenal looked to me to be the most likely but there's still a, a hell of a long way to go and and many, many more twists and turns where we're going to learn more about these teams in, in the coming months. And um, and uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all e- either if Chelsea under under Potter or even United under Ten Hag could, could muscle their way into the top four as well. Yeah, just on Liverpool, Steve, do you think there's any danger of them having a season like they did a couple of seasons ago? The season Van Dijk picked up that bad injury and they, they really had a difficult time and they managed to get into the top four in the end, but it was, it was a real hard season for them. There is a few similarities in the way in the way that they're playing at the moment, and kind of the way they're getting caught out at the back as well. But Van Dijk's there this time. He is, but I think he would recognise that he's not in the kind of form that we've seen over recent years. Likewise, have they been? I mean, the front three over the years at Anfield has been absolutely incredible, hasn't it? And of course, Mo Salah's not been as potent as he has been previously from a goals point of view. Uh, I think he might have had a, a few assists this season, but there was, there's also a changing, we talked about the change in the guard in midfield, there's also a changing of guard in the front three as well, so that would be a little bit of a of a concern really. So, And that Naples performance was an absolute shocker, and we seem to be having a few uncharacteristic poor performances from Liverpool, that would be a, a concern for me. They are 11-4 to four not to finish in the top four, um, so they are 1-4 to four to do that, but Personally, I'm quite happy to take on Liverpool in the in the current state of affairs. Yeah, and after the top six that we've discussed, Brighton and Newcastle are seen as the next challengers, both fourteen to one for top four and ten to three and seven to two respectively, sorry, for the top six. Of course, Roberto De Zerbi has been appointed as Brighton manager. Should we expect a drop off from, from that appointment team? It's pretty hard to tell with him and also with Graham Potter at Chelsea in terms of impact for this season. Certainly someone like Potter, you know, does does he have to finish in the top four this season? Does he have to win a trophy is he allowed to be in bill for the long term etc Brighton will be the same it's, it's going to be a massive change I know that they'll be looking for someone similar obviously in terms of style which we expect not to change too much at Brighton but there's so much to get used to from a new manager it's pretty impossible to predict one thing in his favour and also in favour of Newcastle and a few other teams is that they're not playing in Europe and I think you know, we talk about the unpredictability of this league after the World Cup with players coming back potentially injured or certainly fatigued or mentally fatigued or out of form or whatever. But even just next month, um, teams in Europe are pretty much all playing nine matches in October. So Spurs have got nine games in 29 days. 
Man United have got something similar. I haven't looked through everyone's fixtures, but I'd imagine it's the same story. Obviously, everyone had one game postponed recently. Some, like Man United, had two games postponed. So if you're not in Europe, I think it'd be more beneficial than potentially ever before, really, to have weeks in between games rather than travelling all over Europe for Champions League and Europa League games. Yeah, and I can't claim to know much about Deserby myself, but luckily here at The Athletic, there's always someone knocking around that does know something about people that you don't know anything about. Let's hear what James Horncastle said speaking to The Athletic Football Tactics Podcast. And so they talk about Calcio Italiano, Italian football, and they talk about calcio europeo, European football, as though Italy is not part of Europe, as though Italy is separate. And But the Zerbi's kind of football in Italy, I would say, is considered calcio europeo. It's, it's, it's more in keeping, more in step with what you see in Germany, Spain and England. It's what Italian teams should play in order to be competitive in the Champions League, the Europa League and the Conference League. Thanks very much to James. Let's look now at the relegation odds, Steve. Can we have an update from the pre-season prices? Bournemouth, Forest and Leicester look the likeliest to go down. Do we agree with that? Yeah, these, of course, Bournemouth and Forest were, were favourites at the start of the season. But the big move is, is, is Leicester City, who have been 20-1. to 1 at the start and they are now 15 to 8 I know Tim saw them last week at uh, at Spurs they just have a habit of cons- of, of scoring you know two, two in a game but not being able to either keep a lead or or, or get any points on the board clearly set set players have been a have been a huge frustration for a long while for them I think Madison had a great game uh, last week you know looking at the at the data there he's he, he seems to be in decent form but defensively they look to be a right mess at the moment and uh, so those are the other uh, big movers Southampton have shortened slightly from from the start of the season Season threes into nine to four, eleven to four. Everton kind of around there anyway. And uh, am I allowed to went mention Wolves at three to one as well? Possibly in a little bit of trouble. No, I didn't think I could. Tim, no. You're allowed to, you're, you're allowed to do that. I was, I was thinking you might mention Villa at some no, point. Se- no, seven, we might be amongst it. Seven to one, Dan. Currently tenth favourites for relegation, but hopefully that will change. Okay, George. Of those teams that Steve just mentioned, is there anyone there that you? particularly think should be nervously looking over their shoulder? Oh, well, I, th- I think pretty much all of them, if, if I'm honest. Um, I think Wolves at 3-1, to one, there is quite a lot depending on Diego Costa being functional, I would say. I just really worry. And we said it in the pre-season show as well. Um, despite the fact they're a great watch, they've got lots of talented players, I just worry about them having enough goals in them to to, to get themselves away from trouble. It would be a surprise if they, if they weren't down there come the end of the season. So... Not particularly um, positive about them, and then Saints as well do, do look to me to be a side who, um, who who could who are threatened. But at the moment, what I will say is, I think at the moment, Bournemouth, Forest, and Leicester are are miles off it compared to the rest. I think there's like a genuine gap between those three and everybody else as it stands at the moment. Sure, I agree with Bournemouth being miles off it. Gary, Gary O'Neill's done done very well since he's come in. Probably got a chance of, of getting the job full time. Wolves struggling to recover from the loss of two key figures. I guess Tim, yourself, and Connor Coda. Are your faces <laughs> as George was talking about Wolves in, in, in pain. I think I think Wolves will be okay purely because they cannot afford to be relegated, and if they're in any danger. In a few weeks' time, then they'll change their manager, and George Mendes will bring in one of his. Why um, we just talk about George Mendes like he like he's the owner of Wolves <laughs> and he just casually dropped in, and no one ever yeah, argues with him. Yeah, but you know he's 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 had a massive say in who the last two head coaches are, and I have no doubt that it'll be the same again for the next one. Bruno Lage is in a spot of bother at the moment because he's hung his hat on the fact that they've gone more attacking this season with 4-4-2 sorry 4-3-3 and they scored 3-7 so that they're actually more um, goal shy than they've ever been in the Premier League and for a, for a head coach brought in to make them more attacking and entertaining and 15 months into the job doesn't look great for him 
albeit with a couple of injury worries. Just on Leicester, I would say it felt like to me Brendan Rodgers' sort of last chance saloon, really, at Spurs last week. I, again, sorry to say, but having watched Spurs a little bit, the way you frustrate them, and Brendan Rodgers will know this, is you sit deep, you let them have the ball, and you let them come onto you. Whereas Leicester went for the game by the throat, completely opened themselves up and ended up conceding six goals and Rodgers just sounded like a beaten man at, f- at full time it's quite sad to hear basically said it's, it's up to the owners whether they let me go or not Couldn't didn't even really make a case for himself um, Michael Cox articulated it better than I ever could when he said Brendan Rodgers is a good manager Leicester have got a really good squad they'll both be fine without each other but together at the moment it's just not working and they're another club who can't afford to get down no, but they can't but they, like unlike Leicester. Wolves they can't afford to do anything about it either I mean that's, that seems to be the key issue nah. here. like Villa Villa Wolves uh, Leicester cannot afford to go down. Villa and Wolves can open the, you know, loosen the purse strings in January if they if they want to. If Leicester could afford to sack Brendan Rodgers, he would not be their manager right now. They are trying to work yeah, out how. You know, I don't think he'd have been there at the start of the yeah, season, to be so honest. They, they I mean, they, figurative, they figuratively can't afford to get relegated, but they also literally cannot afford to spend the money to, to stay up. Yeah, and we know managers very rarely walk away, so it kind of just feels like a marriage of convenience at the moment, or, or inconvenience, as, as the case may be. Last, well, actually, Tim, as the London man, as I keep saying, Fulham, we haven't even mentioned them as, as potential, a potential team to go down, which tells you everything you need to know about their start. Absolutely stupendous from Marco Silva's men so far. Yeah, brilliant. Looking at potentially, you know, a surprise mid-table, maybe even top 10 finish if they if they continue with the form they're in. If Mitrovic continues scoring, you know, they've got depth in the squad now. They can bring Willian and Dan James and Tom Kearney off, off the bench. They're looking really good. They're pretty fun to watch as well. So um, he's doing a fantastic job. Best summer signing as well, in my opinion, in Jao Paulinho. Absolutely love watching him play for Fulham. Steve, Steve Cooper, there's talk that his job might be under threat at Forest. Surely, even in this bonkers world that we live in, football wise, surely not. Oh, I don't know, Dan. It's no manager's going to be able to just get that squad firing straight away. It just isn't going to happen. Well, with the owner, I suppose you've got to look at your owners, and, and the owner's already pulled the pulled the plug on one manager this season, as in Carlos Corberan, I think, after 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 a few games. So he's already got. Admittedly, he had 22, 23 new players to to gel together, and that will be uh, that will be his excuse. I think the first, you know, the four games that they've had conceding 14 goals, I think the six goals that they've conceded in the last two games will be a real worry for me. The fact that they conceded those goals against Fulham, 54, 57 and 60 minutes, it would be a a huge concern. The three games that they've got next, Leicester, Villa and Wolves, clearly are are huge games for for the football club. And as a manager now, it's such a short shelf life. It was only six weeks ago that people were probably talking about Steve Cooper as probably stepping up to somewhere else, a bigger club than Forest. You know, like you know, Chelsea manager or stuff like that. But he was in the betting for that, so it's a tough one. But I can understand why he's under pressure. Personally, I wouldn't pull the plug. I'd love to see a coach like Steve Cooper pull through and 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 Forest to kick on and have a great season. But I think they're in for a for a bit of a struggle, and it feels like a bit of a Fulham from a few years ago when they went down. More points or more players? That's that's the question with Forest at the moment. Twenty two signings. So they're going to they're going to earn more points than that. Good market created. They will. Yeah, I, I think they'll. I mean, they'll be in for probably early thirties, I would say. But it's it's probably a it's probably a fair market to me. I'll get working on that as we speak. That's a good one. Let's see. Idea for free there. You get ideas for free on this podcast. Tell you what, Midlands football is absolutely miserable at the at the moment. There is not a lot going well. It's a good. It's a good job the Albion are playing well. Yeah, uh, Dan. (laughs) Jeez, yeah, not much joy at all in that region. But that is it for today's show. Thanks to everyone, thanks to the team for joining me and thanks to everyone for listening as well. We hope you'll enjoy the international games and we'll see you again for a Premier League preview next week.
The Athletic.